Good evening from Southeast Asia. This will be episode or volume number 10. I was going to say it in Thai. I can't remember. Oh, this is pathetic. I, uh, man, my, my brain is really, really small. You ever watch the Bundys? Greatest show ever made. Uh, I remember Kelly. She was hot back then. Not so much now. I'd still marry her. <laughs> um, she had to go get a job somewhere. I don't know, waitress or something. I can't remember what it was, but she had to memorize something like, maybe it's a menu or something. I don't know. It doesn't matter. <laughs> but she couldn't because um, her brain was not big enough to fit all the new data in there. So she had to forget some other stuff in order to fit the new stuff into her little female brain. <laughs> We're not going to go up there right now. <laughs> uh, enough ladies want to kill me already. <clears throat> um, so she had to forget some stuff. Um, and she didn't know much. So there wasn't a lot to forget. So she had to forget, you know, kind of semi-important things. <laughs> like her address, you know, phone number, stuff like that. And once she, like, purged those out, then she could memorize the menu. Uh, kind of like me with languages. My God. I, I, I start to learn one new language and some other old one just, just, it just gets pushed on out. It's just really sucks. Okay. Um, the purpose of these tapes is to help people decide if they want to move, not visit, move to Southeast Asia. Okay. So, Moving to Southeast, moving to Southeast Asia, so it pretty much means first you gotta visit, you know. But um, if you want to go to Southeast Asia and you know you're only gonna be there two, three weeks, and you're gonna go home and you're never gonna come back, then these aren't for you. I don't, I don't want to talk to you. <laughs> no, just no. This is for people who think they might want to or probably want to move to Southeast Asia because this is in depth, this is detailed, this is nitty gritty. Um, some of it not too pretty. Really a lot of it not too pretty. Um, and you got to have that stuff if you're going to make a, a true, truly informed decision. So that's who we're talking to. And if you do want to move here, then how are you going to do it? Where are you going to get the money? Are you going to kill the wife? Because women, women alone don't want to come here. Almost never. Very, very rarely. It's guys. It's guys who come to Southeast Asia. I don't know why it's really all that much. They go to Thailand because they want girls. But the other countries are not big prostitution hubs. You know, they have some, but so does San Francisco. You know, they go to San Francisco or anywhere. Peoria, I don't know, probably, I don't know. Um, a lot of guys just, I don't know, they like <clears throat> the whole notion of Southeast Asia. They just like it. I don't know why. It's, it's born into a lot of guys. Maybe in the past lives of lots and lots and lots of us, we were like Chinese, okay? You know, it's four and a half billion turkey heads in China, and lots and lots of them die, and then they come back, and they become, you know, they live in Oregon, and then they miss, so each, I don't know. Okay. Trying to clean up the mouth. Not working, really, too much. <laughs> All right. Um... Oh man, we got monsoons going again. Holy crap, Ola. It's been like two, three days of 
hard rock and roll monsoons. Uh, I was out there a while ago in the dark in the rain, and <clears throat> man, it was like Alaska. I mean, not cold. Well, it was cold. I wanted a jacket. You know, it was 88. That's <laughs> cold. Okay. Um, in the last tape, number nine, we dropped you off in Bangkok. You, you know, made it to Bangkok. You decided you wanted to go. You made it to Bangkok. You made it to the hotel. You're messing around. You, you, uh, maybe you got a girlfriend or you're close to getting a girlfriend and you're seeing some sights and you figured out how to go order food, you know, at least like that. Um, Let's hit on that for a second. If you've been there for a while and you're ordering food around restaurants, you've already noticed something. Many restaurants, you go and you sit down and they bring you a menu and they say, cup and crab. Oh, thank you, thank you. I'm so hungry and it smells so good. And you open the menu. And there's a list of, uh, oh, I don't know, 50 or 80 or 150 dishes, you know, items you can order. Except 40% um, of them have a little white sticker over that item and it says no have <laughs> no have my me that's one of those things that's going to drive you sort of apoplectic after a while sometimes I've gone into ones where 85% my me no have it's two things one thing is that, that means they don't have that dish. They don't have that dish. Okay, and they might not have had it for a week. Okay, one thing, one problem is that <clears throat> when they need to replenish supplies and they place an order for whatever, some kind of meat, some kind of noodles, some kind of something, um, the Thai suppliers just might not bring it. They might lose the order, might fall off the back of the truck. They might just forget. They might take the money and just forget to ever bring it. And that's really, really common. Uh, third world countries are third world countries for a reason. Because they're backwards. Because their thinking is backwards. And logic is largely missing. Okay. I'm not going to go into my theories of why. At least not right now. Um, that's part of the problem. The other part of the problem is Southeast Asians, all of them, Maybe Thailand's the worst. I'm not sure, but I see it in every single Southeast Asian country. Let's say a business is going along and they're selling, um, I don't know, noodles. They're selling noodles, some some certain kind of noodle. Okay, they got 50 kinds of noodles, but there's one certain noodle that's a, it's a hot seller. Okay. Um, let's just call it the ABC noodles. Okay, whatever, it doesn't matter. And they're going along and they got a big old, I don't know, they got a 50 gallon drum of noodles, you know, dry noodles. And they're going along and over a year, that supply of noodles goes down and down and down and down and down and down. It gets lower and lower and lower. Okay. In a filang business, when it got down to, I don't know, maybe 25% full, maybe 25% remaining. The owner of that business, he a, a little a little bell would go, ding, and a light, like that, and he'd say, "Oh yeah, time to reorder that stuff because we don't want to run out. That's our hottest seller." Now, if you got a database and a computer and stuff, that's going to tell you automatically. You know, you're getting close. You're getting close down there. Um, you know, time to reorder. Okay, but 
most, the vast, vast majority of Southeast Asian businesses do not run on databases and computers. They just don't. It might be decades or generations before they do. I don't know. And so the manager, the owner, whatever, he has to manually watch at the level of every single thing. Okay. Now, maybe a month ago, he noticed that barrel of ABC noodles was getting pretty low. He's watching it go down over a year. You know, it's just going down, 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 down. There's a disconnect in the brains of Southeast Asian people. And they see that. They see it. I've showed it to them sometimes. When, when I had a favorite restaurant, and I, I, like, I like to order some particular dish. And I notice their supplies of it are going down. I say, hey, you, you got a lot of that? You got more of that? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Chai, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then next week it's lower. And I, I say, hey, you know, you, you have to order that very often? Well, sometimes, you know. Okay, and the next week it's gone. Um, and the little sticker on the menu says, no have. It'll say it in English. Um and they might have it for three or four or five or six weeks because they just can't get around to reordering it. It's a mind-boggling problem all through Southeast Asia. They, they, they can't make this connection. It's, uh, I can tell you exactly why. I know this. I know the answer to this. All kinds of people are going to disagree, but it's, fact. Southeast Asians have had pretty easy lives if you didn't expect much out of life. Hell, what do we get going? Get a little earthquake again? Looks like it. I can always tell. We get these jelloey earthquakes when, when the equipment and the booms and stuff start swinging. My camera was swinging there. <laughs> Sometimes you can't even feel them. Okay, anyway. <laughs> okay, Southeast Asians have had pretty easy lives if they didn't want much out of life. If all they wanted to do was sleep in a hammock, eat bananas and puppies, get some fish once in a while, some rice. If that was the height of their aspirations, their lives were easy. Because when they ran out of poppies, they just walked out, got some more. Bananas, whatever. It, 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 it's just, there was no planning required, <clears throat> no forethought required ever in the entire history of Asia. It's uh, in the warmer climates, Southeast Asia. They didn't have to plan for anything. So they don't have that circuitry in their brain. It's simply not in there. Or if it's in there, it's latent. It's dead. Um, people coming from the northern latitudes, uh, you know, northern, western, northwestern European, let's say. They had ice ages and they had shit and they had horrible seasons. And by God, you better get some wood in and some food stocks in before the snows hit, you know, in about September. Because if you didn't, you're going to die. Period. You're going to die. And your whole family's going to die. And then you aren't making any more babies. And so that faulty little gene in your brain, that faulty little error in your brain, doesn't get passed along. 
Only the ones who planned and brought in wood and food, they got to fuck all winter and make more babies, you know, and those babies got that gene. Or they got taught it, you know, nature, nurture, whatever, argue it, however you want, a combination of both. Um, so those people learned to plan, or they died. Southeast Asians didn't have to plan for anything ever, ever. And they didn't die. That's the difference. So they're coming along, the noodle stocks are going down, 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 and pretty soon they're zero. And they're like, oh, um, let's see, what, what do I do now? Well, I don't know. Next week I'll think about it. Okay. In the meantime, they can't sell that noodle. They're losing big money. And also they're pissing off customers. They're pissing them off. Uh, after two or three times of that, I just, I just don't go back. I don't go back to that restaurant. And lots and lots of guys do that. The ties will go back endlessly forever because it's just the way it is, you know. Oh, well, they don't have it today. Oh, they don't have it next week. They don't have it next month. They don't care because they do it themselves. Um, the other thing you're going to run into is you're going to have some certain dish in mind. And you're going to think, man, oh, man, I really want something. I want, I want this certain something. Um, only one place has it. They're eight miles away across Bangkok. Oh, God, it's a horrible long trip. Oh, God. Um, you try to call them up, make sure they're open. Well, they don't answer anyway. They don't answer their phones. None of them answer their phones. They don't understand that concept either. So uh, they don't answer the phone and think, well, that doesn't mean anything at all. You don't call them anymore. You know, you just don't call them because you know that's going to be the case. So you get in a cab and you go eight miles across Bangkok and you get there and, and it's, uh, you know, five o'clock on a Friday afternoon. And they closed. And they think, what the hell? What the hell? They just closed. They just didn't want to work that day. Maybe there's no sign. Nothing says when they're going to reopen. They just closed. Um, how many times are you going to go back to that place? Okay, now, I had that five-story shop house, five-story five double shop house in Thailand. We had quite a number of businesses in there. My girlfriend had one, two she had two, and she had to manage all the other businesses. Um, her busy hour would start at, say, 5 o'clock p.m., and she would run until sometimes 2, 3 in the morning. She, she had food stalls in the front of our shop house. Um, and by 6.30, she was hopping. She was hopping. That's where she made her money. You know, let's say from 6 to 10. That was the meat of her day. That's where she made her money. Um, so what'd she do? Very often between six and ten. She went to some other soy and played badminton with the kids. Probably four days, at least four days out of every week. Sometimes five, sometimes six, at least four days. Um, in the beginning, I thought, well, you know, it's not my business. It's her business. It's, uh, you know, she can do what she wants. Uh, and then little by little, it started driving me kind of buggy. And I would, I would say, look, um, you know, I'm getting kind of tired of people coming and finding me saying, hey, why isn't your shop open? 
I said, well, it's not my shop. It's a girlfriend. I don't know where she is. You know, I'm sorry. There's nothing I can do. And that, that went along for months like that. And she would finally come back and I'd say, hey, um, you know, you had a lot of customers here. I had to deal with them. I had to tell them that you weren't open. Up to me. It's a tie response to everything. Up to me. Okay. It's up to you to a point, but when they start bugging me, then it's up to me. And what I did was to try to fix this problem was I made her some really nice, I, I was doing a lot of photography, doing a lot of printing, had a lot of equipment, and uh, I would make her, I, I made her some really nice signs, uh, laminated them, uh, grommets in there, she could hang them, you know, little strings on them, the whole bit. And when she's going to go play badminton or whatever the hell, um, she could hang them on the outside of her booth. She had two separate little businesses in front, so she'd hang one on each one. And the first few days I hung them up there, when I, when I saw she was leaving, I would hang them up and say, look, this is what you do. It tells the people you're going to be back at such and such a time or whatever, or, or that you're just closed, you know. Okay, so she'd go off and play with the kids. Uh, I bought her a really nice electric uh, e-scooter, and she would just ride that thing endlessly, take the kids, and tow them around in their wagons, you know, stuff like that. It was a lot of fun. I agree. It was a lot of fun. Okay, then don't have a business. She didn't have to have a business. That was the problem. She, she her, her, her rent didn't depend on it. You know, I took care of everything for her. So um, if she only wanted to be open two days a week, that's perfectly fine. Just by God open. If you're going to be open two days a week, then by God open. If you're going to be closed Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, you know, put a sign. We're closed these these days. And she never once for herself put that sign up. Never. One time. And I got testier and testier and testier. And, uh, it was a problem. But you're going to run into that. You're going to go to these restaurants or, or other businesses all over the place. Um, and they're just going to be closed for no reason, just no reason whatsoever. And I see that in every single Southeast Asian country, even in the malls, even in the malls. Shops would be just dark and empty. Some of the malls um, try to put it into the contract that they must open, period. They must open unless, unless they, you know, got probed by aliens and they got to recover or something, you know, better be serious. Some reason they didn't open and, and they're only allowed so many of these emergencies per month or they shut them down. They closed the shop. Uh, and, and the Southeast Asians just rail against that. Well, that's not fair. That's bullshit. Well, it's called professional business. You know, you whine and you moan and you cry because you're not making any money or enough money. What's the first rule? Open. What's the second rule? Have something to sell. Oh my God, what a revelation. Okay, so you're going to run into that all the time. If you have girlfriends and you're helping them do businesses and stuff like that, you're just going to get that all the time. I, I was going to say I never saw one that was better about that, but I did. I dated an engineer up in Bangkok for a while. And I should have married her because I'm stupid. Because I'm <laughs> really, I deserve it. Ping pong paddle for that. Let her go. Fool. That's the word. Capital F O O L. I should have married her. I should have married a number of girls, but I'm stupid.
<laughs> okay, so that's the thing that's going to drive you crazy. Um, <laughs> I just I got a bunch of random notes here. Uh, it says um, these are things that people asked, wrote in and asked. Um, yes, if you have an accident with a motorbike, with a car, whatever, doesn't matter what happened. You're at fault. Doesn't matter what happened. Um, I know a guy who was T-boned twice by people running. Once was a stop sign, once a red light. T-boned him twice. And uh, he was at fault both times. One time, he paid the cop to write the report accurately. Had to pay him a lot of money. The, the, guy, the guy that hit him was tied. In both cases, they were tied. Um, <clears throat> And it was just a principle of the thing for him. He had insurance. He was going to cover it anyway. It didn't matter to him at all. Um, but he just wanted something to be done correctly. So he had to pay this guy a lot of money, this cop, to write the report accurately. And he did. And then uh, he got off. But if you have any kind of accident, if anything happens anywhere in your vicinity, you're at fault. Okay. It says, if you come upon an accident, you might be implicated. Do not help. Okay. People used to tell me that all the time. Ties used to tell me, don't stop. And I was like, I can't help it. That's what Americans do. We stop and we help. We do the best we can. We No, 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 no. Even if it's not an outright setup where some group of robbers has staged this thing to make you stop and then to rob you. Even if it's not that, even if it's a real accident, ties very very often, if you, maybe you come along 10 minutes after the wreck and you just see bodies in the street um, and you stop and you want to help and you want to call or you want to take somebody to the hospital or you want to do something. Just put light on the scene, anything, anything you can do. That's what Americans do. Don't do it. The Thais very, very often will try to find some way to implicate you. They will say, um, you know, Ten miles back, uh, this car, uh, they cut us off, and uh, that made us nervous, and then we couldn't drive correctly, and that's why we had this accident. Take that to court, the ties, tie, uh, court's going to find against you. Uh, any reason, it doesn't matter, or no reason at all. Don't stop. You come upon a ca uh, an accident at night, with babies laying in the road, bleeding. Don't stop. That's a Horrible thing for a phalang to choke down, especially an American or a Canadian. We're not built that way. We can't process that. How can you not stop? How can... Nobody could just keep going. If you can't safely get around them, and I mean way around them, you stop early, you turn around, you go back the other way, find another road. You don't stop. Uh, maybe someday that'll change. I don't know. Uh, maybe uh, dash cams are going to help to start getting around that. You know, you, 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 got, you got a recording that shows that you were driving for the last 10 miles with nobody around you, and then you come up on this scene, you know, maybe the court would accept that, or maybe the recording would just disappear. I'm trying to, I'm trying to get across to you just how corrupt Thailand is in most Southeast Asian countries. You're not going to have that happen in Singapore at all, period. It's not going to happen, probably. Probably, well, maybe not Malaysia either, but it will happen in Thailand and Cambodia and 
probably Vietnam and and you know right across right across and in Laos Laos <laughs> now I'm starting to talk like a filling okay um, just don't stop uh, so I just got some random other tips here girlfriends who gamble and do the money pyramid things watch them don't for God's sake don't let them on your phone not until you've been married five years, not even then. Um, they will plug you into every kind of scam gambling network there is. They will take control of your phone. And you might not even be able to recover that phone. You're going to have to swap out the SIM, wipe it, start from scratch. Once they get that shit in there, there's no way to just take out that stuff. And I've had that happen a number of times. And they don't know what they're doing. They're just, they're just clicking on links as fast as they can and their little gambling schemes and scams. Um, on the online gambling I'm talking about. If they get into the money pyramid schemes with quote unquote friends, they're going to lose their money. One hundred percent. Do not let them do it. They're not going to probably tell you if, if you... If they think you know about this stuff, they're not going to tell you. They're going to lose all, your, all, all their money, whatever money they've got. They can go really heavily into debt on these things. And then suddenly uh, Guido, you know, is coming calling, wants his money. And they're panicking. And they start looking at little random things of yours they can sell. And they'll take them. Things that they think you won't miss for a few months. And then when you do miss it, well, I don't, I, I don't know what happened to that. Um, you got to think long and hard before you decide to come here. I can't count how many times I've had things like that happen with, with girls that smart me thought I could trust, you know, that I had vetted and lived with for six months or whatever. Um, The gambling. Gambling is, is huge. Huge. And, oh, God. You got you got about three different problems with Southeast Asian girls. You got gambling, you got drinking, you got other men. Um, they're all kind of equally prevalent. The other men won't bankrupt you. The gambling will. You know, if you care about some stupid girl and she, you know, racks up fifteen, twenty thousand dollars U.S. in debt on one of these scheme scams, then um, you don't want bad things to happen to her because they will find her. They will find her in the dark. They'll find her, you know, someday when she takes a tuk tuk to the mall, they'll find her, and something bad can easily happen uh, to to her and also to you. Though they can end up at your house, two or three guys with guns. And just clean you out because she owes them 10 or 20 grand. Really common. And you won't even see it coming. Um, the drug thing, if they get into drugs, you'll probably know it. They'll start getting skinny and they'll start getting wacky and they'll start hanging around with bad friends and they'll start disappearing for long periods of time. And, uh, that could be because they got some boyfriends too, you know, stuff like that. Okay, 
So somebody wrote in the weird thing here. I don't know where the hell they're coming from on this. They, they want to know if Thai girls are clean, quote unquote, there. We know where there is. They must have been talking to somebody who told them some kind of shit. I don't know. Uh, Thai girls are the cleanest girls there are. More so than other Southeast Asian girls. Thai girls are the cleanest there, quote unquote. <laughs> um, Thai girls virtually never smell bad there. Um, that was a humongous turnoff for me with uh, Farang Western women. Um, they, oh God, so many of them just can't seem to figure out this hygiene thing. Not all, but way too many. Um, it's okay, let's not belabor that stupid thing. Uh, okay, here's here's a thing about Thai girls that might bug you, might not. Don't know. Um, Southeast Asian girls, all of them. Think nothing of prattling on about their periods. It's just open conversation. At dinner, doesn't matter, whatever. Anytime, anywhere, it's a fair game. Open subject. Now, some of us, some Westerners, were raised in an, in, in an environment where it's not talked about. It's a private, personal thing that a lady takes care of privately and personally. Nobody knows about it, ever. The only time they ever know anything about it is when they, when they see the supplies, you know, in her grocery basket. Other than that, they don't know anything about it. They don't want to know anything about it. Um, in Nepal, pronounced Nepan in Thailand, Nepan, I don't know why. Um, up until just a very few years ago, girls on their periods were made to leave the house until it was over. Uh, sometimes a family had a shed they could go live in. It's, this is Nepal. This is 3,000 degrees below zero. You know, Bigfoots and abominable snowmen and 29 feet of snow and shit like that, but they got to go live in a shed until their period's over. Uh, if they didn't have a shed, they had to live like under the house. I mean, no, I'm not bullshitting you. You Google this shit. <laughs> Do it. Um, I'm not bullshitting you about anything. And so they just go live under the porch, under the house, under the porch. People drop food down there, blankets, shit like that, until it was over, five, six, seven days. And then they were allowed back in the house. Google it. I mean, really? Okay. So, you know, the other side of the coin is that there are plenty of guys who just don't think anything about it at all. They don't care. They talk about it. They'll go buy the supplies. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. You know, it's just an absolutely open subject to them, just like it is to the girls. Um, so you got different sides of this. But virtually all Southeast Asian girls, for them, it's an open topic for suitable for any mixed 
company for <clears throat> mealtime for in the restaurant, it just doesn't matter. Uh, if you are, I mean, I, I'm not wackadoodle like not na na let's see how do you Nepalese guys. Um, I'm not I'm not like that, but I don't particularly want to hear about it. Why would I want to? For what reason? I mean, <clears throat> if I ever have some kind of weird problem, you know, quote-unquote, down there, I'm not going to mention it. Why would I? Personal, it's private. Take care of it. Nobody needs to know. I mean, guys don't have that because we're, we're God's people, you know. <laughs> but, uh, you know, if it ever happened, I'm not going to fucking bring it up. Um, so that's, if you are perfectly open about it, you don't care. Well, you you know, there's no need to even listen to this part because you'll be just, you know, just normal, fine for you. If you are one of those guys who either are totally disgustingly creeped out by it or, you know, like me, I'm not totally disgustingly creeped out by it. I just don't care to know about it. There's no reason for me to know about it. You know, like why? Why do Okay, so then it can be a kind of a small point of contention for you in Southeast Asia because virtually all, all of them, they're going to talk about it. And the psychology of it is, I've studied this a little bit, trying to figure out why, why they keep shoving this in your face. Um, and I finally figured it out. Well, I didn't figure it out. Other people figured it out and I discovered it. Okay. Um, it is a sign of trust. By opening up to you about this subject and what's going on with their body, they are showing you that they trust you almost completely. They feel they can share anything with you. And that makes them feel good, makes them feel warm and fuzzy. You're kind of like a girlfriend to them now in, on, on some level. They can just talk to you. And they don't have to feel uncomfortable. Okay, it's a nice thing for them, uh, and it's and it's actually a um, they're showing you that they're kind of putting you on a pedestal. You are special. You are trustworthy. You are their man. You are their friend. So you know when they start talking about this stuff, instead of saying, "Oh, honey, uh, you know, I I don't need to really hear about that." That will insult them. It'll it'll make them feel really bad. When you do that, you're like jerking the friendship rug out from under them. That you're jerking the trust out from under them, and it's it's a bad thing. Don't do it, even if you don't want to hear about it. Um, go along with it. Just find a way. Rearrange your brain. Realize that she is showing you almost an ultimate trust. It's a good thing for a relationship. So don't throw that away. Don't kill it. Don't wreck it. Don't insult her. Rearrange your brain. Because they do plenty of rearranging their brains to try to accommodate our stupid shit, like our tempers and our bad language. You know, there's, I, there's some flying cuss a lot. You know, those fuckers, I hate them. I hate those guys. Fuck them. I don't ever want to be one. 
but uh, you know, if we if we are one of those guys, they'll they'll do their very best to kind of look the other way. You know, they they think they think it's very uh, juvenile. You know, <laughs> well, we are we're eternally juvenile. Uh, okay. Oh man, monsoons again! Holy crap! Um, okay, another note. People want to know if they should take beautiful girl to an expensive restaurant to impress her. No. Um, it's only going to impress one kind of girl, and that's not the kind of girl you want to impress anyway. It's only going to impress the gold digger. She's going to be thinking, oh my God, let's see. She, a little calculator is just going to light up in her brain. She's going to be thinking, let's see. He spent this much on this meal. Um, so therefore, how much more can I get out of him for something really stupid, you know, makeup or clothes or something like that? I went with some family people. One time we went to the top of the uh, Labua. The big hotel in Bangkok was in the movie. We had a, had three people. Um, one of the family members paid for it. Food was... Just mediocre. Just mediocre. Top of it was up on the roof deck. Uh, service was four star. And the total bill was about, uh, it's pushing 700 bucks. And nobody was impressed, not even the girl. It's a waste. Uh, Take, take her to a, to a little Thai cafe, a little, a little food stand with seating. And then if you want to show off, get her some shrimp, you know, get her, get her something like that. Let her eat food that she likes, that she's comfortable with, uh, in a place she likes. It's going to cost you, you know, 10, 15 bucks. And she's going to be happier than any girl at the top of the La Bua Hotel. That was the movie. I mean, that was the uh, the, the, the the hotel in that movie uh, with the tiger and the, the hell was that called? I can't remember. There was uh, like three of them. I think only one of them is worth watching, but it's really worth watching. It was, it was filmed there. Um, it was an okay hotel. Super expensive. Food was mediocre. No better than mediocre. Nobody cared. It was a waste. Total waste. Well, no, it wasn't. We learned. We learned not to do it again. You know. Okay. Expensive restaurants? No. Take it off your list. Fuck it. No. No. Um, okay. You will get girls who their dream in life, especially ties. <laughs> Poor Thai girls. Their biggest dream in life is to have titties because they mostly don't have any. For a lot of guys like me, just don't care at all. It's a it's a null point. It means nothing. It means less than nothing to me, big or small. I don't care. I only don't like them big and sloppy and nasty looking. But um, the girls, of course, they want titties. You know, guys want big cocks. Girls want big titties. Okay, that's whatever. Um, the guys can't get big cocks if they don't have them already. 
but the girls can get big titties for, for not a lot of money. Um, first of all, if she's bugging you for that, it's not a girl you want to have around. If she mentions it in passing sometime, she's kind of letting you know what's on her Christmas list, but not really asking for it. You know, She'll mention it like one time and never mention it again. Um, then, okay, that's, you know, not that you want to get them for her, but that doesn't take her out of the running. If she's harping on it, you know, once a month, oh, I wish I had titties. Oh, my titties are so terrible. Oh, God, whatever will I do? Just uh, help her pack, get her gone, because she only wants things like that from you. And once you get the titties, it's going to be another thing and another thing and another thing and another thing. And pretty soon a motorbike and then a car and then a condo and then a bank account. And then it's just going to, it's not going to end ever, ever. Trust me. If she's bugging you for titties, say, well, you know, you're going to have to go find somebody who can give you titties because they're that's too expensive for me or whatever, you know. And she'll probably shut up about it for a while, but sooner or later it'll come up again because that's, you know, kind of like at the forefront of her tiny reptilian brain. Um, thing is, chances are extremely high that you're not going to stay with this girl or any other, especially if she is bugging you for titties. It's not going to work. Okay, so I know a lot of guys, go oh God, I can't count the number of guys who've done this. They go buy them titties. Uh, maybe 80,000 bots, something like that. Let's see how many dollars. I can't remember. Uh, let's see, 10,000 bot is about $300. So times eight, you know, whatever. Um, the, the cheap, you get the cheap guys in Bangkok and a lot of times they'll, the girl ends up dead. <clears throat> you pay a lot of money, like 120,000 bot. It's probably all gone up by now. Um, so, you know, chances are much higher she's going to live. Okay. Anyway. Um, I was going somewhere with that. God bless it. Kelly Bundy. We'd be mates. Um, oh, yeah, okay. The, the, the chances are exceedingly high. Like up around 99.999999. How many nines do you want? Percent. That you're not going to stay with this girl very long. And if she's pestering you for titties, it's pretty much 100%. You're not going to stay with her. So other things are going to crop up. Um, so you bought her the titties. You paid a lot of money. You went through the three or four months of care, all the bullshit. Now she's got big, beautiful titties. And now, instead of 300 guys a day hitting on her, she's got 1,500 guys a day hitting on her. And she just can't wait to try these titties out on a new guy who will really appreciate them because maybe you don't. Um, does wanting big titties and having big titties mean she's a slut? Not automatically. but it's a huge factor pointing that direction. I mean, girls want big titties for themselves, yes. 
but they want big titties for guys, too. It's to interest guys. Well, if she's committed to you, why does she, and you're happy with her titties, why does she need other titties? Well, for me, I want them for me. I, I want to feel good about myself. Well, okay. You really want them, you know, get a job, save it up. Um, I've had a few girlfriends that I, I was stupid and naive and I thought, man, this is the girl for life. Maybe, possibly, very, very well could be. I, and she just wants these titties and, and she would make her really, really happy if I bought the titties for her and uh, she'd be, oh God, she'd love me more. She'd love me more. And I almost did it a few times, maybe two or three times. I thought kind of semi-seriously about it. And then I came to my senses. Usually, I'm really slow to make decisions like that, which is a good thing. And so, during during the time that I was waffling, waffling, waffling about it, more and more of her character would start coming out, and I would see, oh, oh yeah, oh yeah, now I'm seeing the bigger picture about this girl. Okay. Um, the other thing is, you buy her the most gorgeous titties on the face of the earth, and... Uh, and then she runs off with another guy, and then he gets to enjoy them, you know, at your expense. So forget the big titties. Just don't do it. Just don't do it. Unless, you know, you've been married for five years. Oh, hell, even then. They fuck you over even then. So I just got to say no to big titties. I, I, I don't see any upside to them except in the very short term. And that's not enough to justify the cost and the, and the risk to her life and her health. No, just just say no. Um, girls like that will pretty soon start bugging you for, especially if you get them the titties. Then it's then it's, it just opens the floodgates. Pretty soon they they want uh, a motorbike and then a car and then a condo and then some land and then a business and no. No, 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 no. Um, I've had a number of girls that wanted to have a business and they wanted me to give them, you know, it's a huge amount of money. To, they can go take some class and, and they would buy into a franchise for some business, you know. And I would tell them uh, every business I ever started in, it's been a shitload of them through my life, uh, most of which have been successful. Um, I did it a dollar at a time. A dollar at a time. I started with nothing and I figured out a way to make some product or provide some service and I would do it on a teensy tiny little scale and I'd make a little money. And I think, well, okay then, that worked okay. And I take that money, invest it back in and make a better product or a better service and then I'd make more money. And I went like that. And then when I was all done, maybe if I wanted to sell that business, it's just mine. I own it. I never got to make payments on it. I don't have to answer to anybody in some franchise structure. My wife did that and it drove her crazy. Um, don't buy her a business. Don't do it. Same. It's, it, it's, a, it's the same principle as for the titties. Don't buy her a condo. Don't buy her land. Don't buy her a business. Help her start something. If you really think, you know, so you're investing your time and your expertise and your knowledge 
she's got to want it bad enough to to do it. She's got to do the grunt work on her own because if if, she, if it's just handed to her, she's going to squander it. I see virtually every single Thai girl or or any Southeast Asian girl who is handed a business or something like that, they squander it. Virtually every single one of them. You come back to me five years after you've been in Southeast Asia for five years and tell me that didn't happen to you. You, you, won't, you won't be able to unless you're really, really smart and you're following this advice. Um, if she starts asking you for money, flat out for money. Um, think about trading up. Um, that's a little bit of a tricky issue. The, if you want them to come and stay with you, uh, either they got to go to work and get their own pocket change, or you have to give them pocket change. And it's up to you. It's it's um, I mean it's it's hard if if they if they've got a job and and they're gone working all day. Um. And you're alone and you don't like that, that can be hard. But it can also be good because it gives you a break from them. A relationship can last one hell of a lot longer if you get time apart. Be a hell of a lot happier and a hell of a lot more stable. So most guys will just give them an allowance. Um... I did from time to time. I gave them small amounts or large amounts or whatever, you know, depending on what my thinking was for that girl at that time. Um, they were pretty happy when they got an allowance. All of them were, were happy when they got an allowance. They could stay home, get on your nerves, start bickering, <laughs> you know, <laughs> kind of. You know, part of the balance scale, it's, that's what's going to happen if they're around 24-7. You know, every time you go to open a cupboard, she's right there opening it first. You want to go open the fridge and get some milk? Well, she's already there getting the milk. You got to wait. You know, it, it's people just have a way of getting on their, getting on each other's nerves. It, it's just a human thing. Um, so if you're giving her an allowance and she's home all day, every day, can lead to the downfall of the relationship. It, it can, really. And that's true of, of Western girls also. It, it just so happens that in Southeast Asia, what they consider as a big allowance is usually pennies to you. Um, I used to canvas guys. Every, every following that I met, I wanted to know this. So I would ask them, I would, I would say, do you personally know anyone who is really happy with their Thai girlfriend slash wife. And in 10 years, I think I heard of perhaps two guys. One was iffy. The other one was totally happy. Um, if her family starts asking you for money, Get that shit stopped right immediately. Get it stopped. Tell her, have a talk with them. It's not proper for them to ask you for money. If you feel like giving it to them, it's up to you if you think it's going to do any good. I know a lot of guys who got sort of shamed into giving the family a shitload of money. Sometimes 
sometimes fifty or a hundred thousand dollars, and they become the big family in the village. Oh my God! Oh, they're high so now. The biggest house, you know, the fattest buffalo, and on and on and on. And then right about that time, she find out she's fucking some other guy, and that's that, and all that money's gone. And um, with Thai girls, especially uh, infidelity is. God, it's very nearly guaranteed. Thai girls, girls raised Christian, at least they got this tiny little seed in the back of their mind. If they cheat on their husband, oh my, maybe they'll go to hell and burn for all eternity. Okay, in Buddhism, you do a bad thing. Um, well, it's your just your karma, you know. If you want to try to negate bad karma, then you got to do a positive thing. Okay, a common favorite thing in Thailand to do, let's say you, you know, what, what fucked your husband's friend, you know, okay, that's a bad thing. Um, you don't have to carry that guilt around. You just go do a positive thing for somebody. So a really common thing is you go to the nearest temple and you say, I want to make merit, not you, the girl. Uh, and they, they know what she's there for. She did a bad thing and she's trying to keep from being punished karmically. Um, so they will give her some brushes and some buckets and some soap and tell her to go scrub latrines. Uh, so she'll do that, you know, half-heartedly. supposed to do it for three days. She'll do it for half a day and then come back for an hour on the second day and then that's that. And then her conscience is clear because she has made merit and she's absolved now from any guilt. And we'll probably go into that more later. But they don't have the same sense of morality or guilt or anything that uh, Western women do. Um, they just don't feel bad about it. They just don't. Awful lot of stuff they don't feel bad about at all. It's, it's almost like that little part of that prefrontal cortex is missing. Um, okay. Family ask for money. It's a terrible thing. Stop it. If it keeps up, if it continues, I'd say get rid of her just for that. Either sever contacts with the family between you and them, not between her and them. Um, or get rid of her. Sever contacts with her. Because if she can't control the family, uh, it's a descending spiral and it's just going to get worse and worse and worse and they're never going to stop and they're they're going to start bad-mouthing you to the village and they're going to start bad-mouthing you to her because you won't support the village family. Family wants, and wants to come and live with you? No. I told you that one girl I had to let her go because I, I couldn't tolerate two raccoons in the house. She was two raccoons put together. Uh, a Thai family coming into your home is 70 raccoons. Um, you'll kill yourself. You'll kill them or you'll kill yourself. It can't be done. Um, some guys with a lot of money, they'll, they'll custom build a house. It's two houses, like a duplex, but there's a door in the middle. And uh, she's got her own kitchen. She's got everything. 
uh, probably not her own bedroom, but her own kitchen and family room and stuff like that. She'd do whatever the hell she wants over there. She can cook her stinky food, stinky little fishes, you know, any, anything like that. And it's not going to bother you. Um, okay, guys ask me, they, they have heard that um, Thai, Thai girls, Southeast, Southeast Asian girls never turn you down for sex. Is that true? Um, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. I don't understand it. Uh, it's, it's one of two things. Either they're the horniest creatures on earth, or they, parents have taught them, if you refuse your man ever one time, he's going to dump you. And they're terrified of that. So it's one of those two things, and I never totally figured out which one. Certainly there's going to be a lot of times when she just doesn't feel like it. That's a human being. But she'll say yes every single time. Now, personally, I don't want a girl who doesn't feel like it. Um, I, I have a tendency to wait until they let me know. Or if I, if I go hit on them, it's very gentle. It's like, hey, you know, a little feel, a little feel here. Then, if it's if it's returned, okay. If it's not, done. Next time, tomorrow, tonight, whatever. I do not want a girl who feels obligated to have sex with me. I don't want that ever one time in my life. I don't want it. That is just disgusting. That's creepy and disgusting. Uh, but yeah, you know, there's lots of guys who they they've got this notion that if they're supporting the girl, she has this is this part of her duty, you know, this is her job. And some girls feel that way too. It must be terrible for them if they really, really, really don't feel like it, but they just do it anyway. That must be just nasty. It must be really uncomfortable and just nasty. But a lot of guys will just take advantage of that. Ritz. The girl better be ready to put out any given moment. And if she doesn't, well, there's a hundred of them, a hundred more out there. Oh, God. Um, I said that Thai girls, especially, one of their number one problems was they were unfaithful. And that's absolutely true. Um, their libidos are stunningly high. Um, I had... God, I don't know. Probably 60-70% of my girlfriends wanted sex bare minimum twice a day, three times pretty much okay, four times that was okay. Um, and as I got older, <laughs> that got to be a problem. If you can't keep up, they're just going to start looking around because there are plenty of other phalangs out there who will take care of it for them. If you think they're sneaking around, you know, in, in the U.S., maybe you get a hold of their phone when, they ha when it hasn't turned off yet. Start going through the messages. You can't do that. Well, you can do it in Thai. It's just difficult. you got to have a translator that will take a picture of an image and then translate it, translate the text on the image, see who they're talking to. It's really difficult to do it. Um, and it's sneaky. 
Um, it could be argued that if you can't trust them that much, then you can't trust them at all and get them gone, get another one. Well, okay, that's a nice ideal, but Southeast Asia, the, you can't trust them, period. You, you may not ever find one you can trust. Well, can, can you trust a Western woman? No. No. You think you can. You can't. And that was a hard, hard thing for me to learn. Um, before I got married, I was a busy, busy boy, and I had a lot of experience. And then after I lost her, I was in Southeast Asia, and I got more experience than, God, I don't know, probably more experience than any hundred Western men. And I just learned shit. I'll tell you stories about that later. Um, is it immoral to check up on her? No. I don't believe so anymore. I used to think so. I used to think, you know, that would be a horrible, low-down, sneaky thing to do, asshole. I don't think that anymore. If you think something's going on, um, you know, try to mitigate the pain it's going to bring you and find out sooner rather than later. Just find out. If she is, then she's gone. No talking about it, no sorries, no nothing, just gone. Just At that instant, when you find out, you help her to the door. You say, wait outside a few minutes, I'm going to bring your stuff out. And you don't ever come back here. In a condo, it's nice because they'll have security and you go down and you tell a desk. Uh, I used to, <laughs> this sounds really bad. I used to print pictures of them, take them down to the, to the desk, to the guards and Say, this one, my die, my die, cannot come in. <laughs> and they'd laugh and they'd pin it up. Okay, okay. Because <laughs> they were used to it from all the other guys. Um, put a tracker on her motorbike? Sure, do it. I My thinking has changed so much in the last 10, 11 years. I would have never dreamed of that on any other girlfriend or my wife or anybody. I never would have. God, what kind of a sleazeball does something like that? And then I just learned. I just learned. Do it. Just do it. Put a tracker in a purse. I don't care. Do it. Find out. Uh, okay. Life in the provinces. What the hell? This is just a note. What the hell is that about? It says life in the provinces. Okay. If you come to a city, Bangkok, whatever, and you meet a girl, they all come from the province. Almost all of them come from a province somewhere in the middle of nowhere, freaking jungle. And they all dream of going back. Because life was simple and life was peaceful and they had a lot of friends and that's their, more of their culture back there and stuff like that. Life was easy. So they want to go back and they want to talk you into going back. And I've done it. <laughs> um... Good God, I've lived in Whoville and the Shire. Have I really have? I'd have they they have the charms. You gotta be a special kind of person to do that. Chances are if you had enough of a sense of adventure to break out of the matrix and come to Southeast Asia, your sense of adventure is gonna be too strong. 
for you to live out your life in the province somewhere in a little cabin in the jungle. Some guys do it. Some guys do. Not too many. It usually drives you crazy. Crazy. And I've tried it up in northern Thailand. Oh, God. It wasn't horrible, but it was, well, it was the Shire. You know, Whoville, the Shire, it's, that's what it is. Um, I burned out. And that's disappointing to them. They don't want to go back to the city. They like it in the Shire. <laughs> you know? uh, so it's a point of conflict. And some guys figure out a way to get through it and some guys don't with your mate. That's, that's why I keep telling you from the very beginning, you know, go get your anti-testosterone shots <laughs> before you even get here. Such that you don't even remotely desire female companionship. Your life is going to be vastly better. You have a far higher quality of life. <laughs> I mean it. <laughs> oh, the girls are just shooting arrows at me. Well, whatever. Whatever, baby. If you weren't so damn hard to get along with, <laughs> guys wouldn't be leaving you all the time. Uh, there's a note here that just says snakes. What the fuck? Yeah, they're snakes. <laughs> There's so many snakes you can't comprehend it. Even in downtown Bangkok, I do not recommend walking around hardly anywhere downtown Bangkok after dark, after sunset. I don't recommend it. I did it endlessly. Endlessly, up and down, dark little soys, cameras, shit. I don't recommend it. Uh, Thailand is the snakiest place I ever lived. Maybe there are snakier places, I don't know, but snakiest place I ever was, and they are... Jesus, they're as common as grass. They're as common as blades of grass. <laughs> really? When I first got to Thailand, I, I had this girlfriend, and we'd, we'd be on a bus going somewhere, and we, I would look off into some, you know, two-acre little grassy place with a little bit of water, and I would just jokingly say, hey, you think there's snakes in there? And she'd just look at me like, well, you're kind of a dumb son of a bitch, aren't you? And, well, yeah, there's snakes in there, yeah. And I was like, oh, she's just trying to scare me. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. Oh, God. Oh, God. You cannot comprehend the number of snakes. And they're in downtown Bangkok. And they're living in the sewers and under the sidewalks. And they come up through the cracks and bite you in the nighttime. It's dangerous. It's dangerous. Oh, God. Oh, God. Uh, I was walking by. I had this route that I used to walk from my little condo to someplace. Some, oh, it's a restaurant. And it was uh, two-thirds of a mile, something like that, maybe half a mile. I'd walk this little route. And then it was, you know, in the city. Um, normal city environment. And one night I'm walking by and there's a big crowd there and everybody's rooting around under a car, this parked car. And I stopped and I watched and finally they pulled out, I don't know, maybe 16 foot constrictor or something. 
he'd been just sleeping under the car because it was the car had parked there and it was warm under the car and he slept there. Um, constrictors are about as dangerous as uh, a venomous snake because they will wait for you. The, the, the poisonous snake will nail you and then he backs off to see if you're going to die. Um, the constrictor will wait for you. He nails you and back off. He stays clamped on. Wherever he got a good hold, he's clamped on and then look at the split in that lightning speed he has wrapped around you and he's squeezing your guts out. And he doesn't let go with his mouth or with his, with his body. And you might not have had time to yelp. So you can be 30 feet from a business and he gets you walking by a parked car and he gets you in the dark. You don't have time to yelp. And he's got you halfway into the car. Nobody even sees you. And he just wraps you up, suffocates you, swallows you. Maybe later somebody will see this big old fat snake, you know, slithering off towards the jungle, or maybe nobody will see him. If it's the middle of the night, he might just slither off. And they're plenty big enough to swallow a human hole. They do it all the time. So, still want to go to Southeast Asia. I'm deathly afraid of them. I hate them. I used to ride rustler patrol for a big ranch. So I was on horses all day, every day, almost 24-7. And uh, I, t I w declared war on them because one of them bit my horse one day. And I wore out three guns, killing them. Thousands and thousands of rattlesnakes, thousands and thousands. I thought, I, I thought over a period of a year or two, I would reduce the numbers in that area so that they weren't such a big problem. No, it didn't reduce anything at all. It didn't reduce them by one millionth of one percent. Um, but that's how much I hated them. And I knew they were in Southeast Asia. And I didn't know they were in fucking Bangkok, though. I didn't know that. And I learned. Um, you got a little motorbike? Okay, you take it to the restaurant. You park it. It's kind of warmish. You go in, you eat for an hour, hour and a half. You come out, get in the motorbike, start it up. You're going off down the boulevard and something catches your eye and you look down, there's a fucking snake. The engine is getting too warm and he's looking for a way out. So he's hanging out there a foot. Right by your head's right by your knee. And he's looking for a way to get away. Maybe looking for something to bite. He's pissed off. Okay. People just nail the brakes. They fall down in the street. And Thailand has snake experts everywhere. And the government is really good at sending those turkeys out post haste. And they'll show up within minutes. You, well, not always. <laughs> but I, I moved into a house one time and the hole under the house was just chocked full of um, Malayan pit vipers. Really nasty bastards. You can Google them. Malayan pit vipers. I don't know how many were under there, but they were just everywhere. Um, and it was quite a process. To, we, we never could kill them all. Uh, the government came and uh, sprayed under the house, poison and all kinds of shit. Uh, I killed some probably, but they were still coming out, coming out, coming out. And we had to concrete over. We had to go all the way around the house and concrete over any gaps in the pad. We had to dig a trench all the way around the, around the house and then fill it with concrete and then build it up to seal that pad. 
uh, and it had to be deep enough that they couldn't tunnel out under it. And we never saw one come from under the house again. We saw lots of others up and down our alley and in our parking space, but we, we never found any place that they got out from under there. So however many were still under there, they died under there, starved to death probably. Um, they're a big problem. God, they're everywhere. I don't know anybody who has never run into a uh, cobra in the garden. Everybody does. They're in the gardens. They're looking for the little field mice and shit that are feeding on your vegetables. They're on the beaches. Um, if you like them, fine. It's, some people do. They like to go out. Uh, God, what's that word for it? There's a word for people who go out snake hunting and they like pictures and they like to look at them. Ooh, ah, yeah. Eh, whatever, you know. Up to you. But I don't like them. I, I got no use for them in my life. And chances are at least 50-50, you feel the same way. So think about that before you're going to Thailand. Um, what are we doing for time? Oh, we're doing okay. Um, snakes are everywhere. That's all there is to it. They have anti-venom for some, maybe a lot. They don't have anti-venom for some others. The Malayan pit vipers you've got they got it calculated down to like 17 minutes or 19 minutes or something. You've got that amount of time from when you get bit to the time you get in and get the anti-venom. Everybody has the anti-venom, so you don't have to go far, you know, a mile or two or three. Unless you're way out somewhere, then you're probably going to die. Well, they're nasty because they'll chomp onto you and, then, and they don't let go. They just chew and chew and chew and they're injecting, 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 and they don't stop. Um, they have a fair amount of trouble with snakes coming up through toilets because the sewer systems are crap. They just lead out of the building and into open sewers. Where else would a snake want to go? Up dark holes looking for mice and shit. That's what they do. And they'll come up your toilet. And you're sitting on the toilet. People have been nailed in every possible way there is to be nailed sitting on the toilet. There are special valves you can get for toilets. You got to pull the toilet off, off the floor, and you put this special valve in that the water and the poop and everything can go out, but the snakes can't come in. It's a check valve. It's a spring-loaded thing. But they have a tendency to plug up and stuff, and they're problematic. And, uh, you know, now I mostly just stay in, in tall condos, although my neighbor three doors down, they could have a snake, you know, and he gets into their toilet, comes into my toilet, you don't know. <laughs> so you think about that, you know, next time you're squatting down, you know. <laughs> I don't know how you safeguard against that totally. I don't, I don't see any way to really. You're just playing Russian roulette. You're playing snake Russian roulette. Okay, bugs and centipedes and other creepy things. Oh, yeah, everywhere. Um, I, I had this barber. He had this, oh, God. He had a chair. He had a barber chair in the middle of a chicken field. Just lousy with chickens and rabbits and cats. Okay. And his barber chair was out there. He had a little tarp hung over it for the, for the rain. And he was the best barber on earth. And he charged me like, uh, let's see. 80 baht, 
So what is that? That's three dollars to a hundred, so about two dollars and sixty cents, something like that, for the best haircuts I ever got in my life. And I went to him for years and years and years and years and years. I loved that guy. Um, and I one time I went in on my motorbike and I set my helmet down on a log thing that he had sitting there. And I got my haircut, got done, and uh, put the helmet on. Captain Crub, see you later. Bye bye. Rode away, and I got about three quarters of a mile away on a little windy, really narrow two-lane soy thing through the jungle. And kabam! I got this fucking bolt of lightning in. Let's see. It was right behind my ear. Right, yeah. Right behind my upper ear. I thought, what? I thought it was a bee. And it really nailed me. I thought it was some kind of African killer fucking bee. And I thought, oh, Jesus, God, Christ, what the hell? And I, it hurt so much that I swerved over into the oncoming lane. There was a pickup coming. He almost took me out. I mean, a foot. And I finally got over to my side of the road, which is the left-hand side of the road, and dumped the motorbike in the ditch and jumping around, jumping around. I couldn't get the helmet to release. And while I was trying, bam, I got nailed again down about where my earlobe was only on my neck. So it was lower down. What in the hell is this? And I finally got that thing off, threw it down in the grass. And there was this huge centipede. He had gone up into my helmet and he didn't like going for the motorcycle ride. And he just started biting me. Oh, Jesus. It was one of the ones that are really nasty. And they they have killed people who are, who are really sensitive to them. I don't know if this guy just gave me dry bites or I had some immunity to him or what. I've got a picture of him somewhere. Son of a bitch. Um, they're everywhere. They're everywhere. Every kind of spider, every kind of creepy crawly. They're not so bad in, in the condos. The, the higher you go up, the, the less trouble you're going to have. Out in the province, in a house in the jungle, it's going to be continuous. It's just going to be continuous fighting. I know people who have moved out of houses because they were overrun with snakes and they couldn't keep them out. They go around, hermetically sealed that home, cocked it, patched everything, everything there was. It was hermetically sealed and they still got in. Uh, one guy had uh, something like nine Malayan pit vipers come in in one week. And he was begging people to come and look at his house and, and try to help him figure out how they were getting in because he couldn't figure it out. Everybody had a theory how they're getting in. And he said, nope, nope, it's not that, it's not that, it's not that. And he moved. He had three little kids. They had to move. They didn't have any choice. Um, okay, so another note here. They got another one about snakes and Bangkok. Okay, we already covered that. Uh, oh, they got crocs and gators. I, well, they got one or the other. I can't remember which is which. I took a girl in a, a pedal swan boat one time in a slough thing at a, at a, at a recreational area. And it was all jungly and little islands and this and that and stuff like that. And we were pedaling around, pedaling around, Hotter and Hill. And I wanted to go over and look at this little island thing because there was a little bit of a beach there. And I thought, oh, maybe we can get out of the swan, you know, and sit on that little beach thing for a while. 
And as I got closer to that beach thing, she's like, no, 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 and no, no. And she was just panicking. She said, you don't go there, don't go there, don't go there, because there might be uh, whatever, gators. Crocs are salt water, right? Gators are fresh water, pretty sure. So it would have been a gator that she was worried about. And I'm like, well, I don't think so. You know, this is a popular uh, recreation area. I don't think they have gators here. Oh, yes, they do. Yes, they do. Yes, they do. She had grown up around there. And I finally backed off. Uh, but but I, I got no closer than like 15 feet from the little beach thing. And she was just terrified. She was terrified that if we got up there, one would be in the little jungle a little ways up on the bank. And he would like leap into the boat and we'd die. Um, so listen to the natives, really. Um, crocs and gators, Jesus. Elephants, some areas, there's wild elephants everywhere that will kill you. Um, you see them on the highway, don't try to pass them. Don't just stop as early as you can, as far back as you possibly, possibly can. Wait to see what they're going to do. Make sure if they decide to charge you, you've got more than enough time to turn around and, and ride away. They, they can't run. They can't outrun the motorbike. But you've got to have time to turn around. Some guys will think, well, they're over on the edge, you know, on the shoulder. I can go over to the other side, go by really, really fast. No, they'll see you coming. They'll head you off and they'll kill you. Um, some of them are pretty nasty. They kill a lot of farmers every year. They, they love farmers' crops, and so they sneak in, they break down the fence or whatever, and they sneak in. And, well, they don't sneak in. <laughs> they come in, and they start eating all the whatever. And the farmer's pissed, and he runs out there, and he's trying to chase them off. And they just say, no, fuck you. What, what are you talking about? This, this ain't your vegetables. <laughs> you know, this is ours. Uh, and they'll kill a farmer all the time. Uh, okay, monkeys. Monkeys are everywhere. No, they're not everywhere. Um, where I lived a lot of the time, it was lousy with monkeys. Um, you go to, I'll tell monkey stories later because that's, there's a lot of monkey stories. <laughs> um, shoes, we already talked about shoes. Um, don't take lace up shoes there. The most lacy things you ever want uh, are Vel Velcro, Velcro straps. You don't want any, any, you don't want anything more involved than that. What happened here? Did we have a malfunction? No. Thank you, Windows. Good God. <laughs> um, okay, shoes, we covered that. We covered that enough. Sandals or hush puppies, something like that, because you're going to have them on and off. Um, driving, they used to say they were second or third most dangerous in the world. Then independent investigators came in, went through the books. Uh, the Thai government had been cooking the books. Um, lion, it's called lying. And um, it turned out they're the number one most dangerous place in the world to drive. Uh, I don't know how I lived there. I, I never had a wreck. Never had anything. Never nothing. Um, I had ridden, God, I don't know, probably pushing a couple hundred thousand miles in the U.S. on motorcycles. Um, without a problem and, and really high end, fast, 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 200 mile an hour stuff. And that probably helped me. You know, I probably had a level of skill, 
But there's many, 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 many times on a motorcycle that skill isn't going to do you diddly squat. It's luck. It's called luck. Sitting at a red light, car comes up behind you 30, 40 miles an hour. Maybe you don't even hear it coming. Skill is not going to do anything. You know, I, I would always stop well back from the car in front of me so that I could, I, I had a place to go if I saw somebody coming up behind me. I could zoom up between two cars, you know, stuff like that. Uh, but you might not see them coming. You might not. Uh, they might hit a car that's parked behind you. And then he comes up and kills you. So it's luck. It's it's part skill and, and part luck. And I was lucky. That's all it was. It was just dumb luck that I lived through all those miles in Thailand. Um, Thai drivers are crazy. Really crazy. Um, they're crazy. There aren't really any patrol, patrols, police patrols. Um, they, they get you with roadblocks and they get you with cameras. That's the big thing. Um, the driving one I'm going to leave here for now too, because I've got a number of stories about that and, and we're, we're almost out of time on this one. I'm going to try to keep them a little shorter. Health insurance, we'll do that later. And then there's one big question down here at the bottom, and we're going to do that one later also. So let's go ahead and wrap this up. We'll keep this a little bit shorter so it's a little easier to render. We're at an hour and 25, 26 now. Um, let's see. The These got routed. The first 10 are getting routed to the RSS feeds. You can see them, get them in the RSS feeds. Uh, the RSS feeds automatically sent I think the first 10 to YouTube and then, and then we stop that because we don't want a lot going on YouTube because we hate YouTube. We've talked about it before. Everybody who puts content on YouTube has trouble of every type and description. And I don't want to have anything big and established on YouTube for when, not if we have trouble with YouTube because everyone does. Unless your grandma showing people how to knit, you know, that's about all they want on there. They don't want anything else um, because they're insane. They're clinically insane. That's all there is to it. They're stupid, snowflake, insane people at YouTube. So we'll have these 10 on there and then that's all. We won't put any more on there. So if you want these, uh, if you want the original contents, you always got to go to stockphotosworldwide.com. You'll find everything. You find all the aliens. You find all of this. You find all the photographs. You find everything is there, and, and it will be there forever. Um, you know, we could dump the RSS at any time. We could dump YouTube at any time, whatever. So don't don't count on those things at all. Um, okay, as always, everything copyright twenty twenty three by StockPhotosWorldwide.com. If you see these hosted anywhere else on anybody else's site, tell us. We'll sue them like we've done in the past. We'll send you a third of any settlement we get. A third, that's a promise. That's my contract. If I don't do it, sue me for that. We'll send you a third of whatever award we get. Can be big, sometimes 10 grand, sometimes even 30 grand. Um, tired of those guys. Half of YouTube is made up of illegal 
infringed stolen content. YouTube won't do a damn fucking thing about it. We lost a trademark because YouTube wouldn't honor our registered, you know, the R with the little circle, registered. They wouldn't honor that. And we lost that trademark and we lost a business from YouTube many years ago. Uh, anyway, okay, we're done. Hour and a half. Uh, any last minute thoughts? No. Okay. Thank you very much and good evening. And good night.